Round one, go. Things go better with woke. No, they don't. This is, <laughs> this is Doug and Marty versus the world. My name is Doug Bassler. And my name is Marty McClendon. This is Doug and Marty versus the world, like Doug said, and it's Mayday. It's Mayday. Mayday. Mayday, right? Mayday, we're going down. Mayday. Somebody save. Doesn't it feel that way someday? Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. Somebody save our ship. I wish I knew Morse code. It's like, do, 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 do. isn't that SOS? Is That's that, SOS. Is that, Come on. Is that, a, is that a, a thing you do on Mayday? <laughs> it's like Mayday is SOS, save our ship. Oh my gosh. What an amazing time to be alive. And I Amen. don't necessarily mean that in a good way, brother. <laughs> well, it's exciting no matter what. Other right? than the fact that we are going to have another Eastside Republican Club meeting in person, maskless, <laughs> in a couple of weeks. So, you know, if you live on the if you live on the west side, you know, I, I hate to say Eastside Republican Club because everybody thinks that's in Spokane or something, right? It's not. It's like supposedly it used to be Bellevue. Now it's in Renton. But uh, well, it's east of Seattle. That's basically it. But yes, it is a club, and everybody from the east side of Washington's welcome, of course. But the right side of the state, if you ask yeah, me, yeah, exactly. And they should, you should come. So you go to eastsiderepublicanclub.org, you buy a ticket, you come to the show. But we're going to have Joshua Freed. We're going to have uh, Jesse Young. Man, Jesse Young, he's always, like, hot, you know, with ideas. And and he's our state rep in the, what is it, 26? Be careful there. He's, he's 26 district. He's the 26th over my neck of the woods yeah. right now. Yep, he's one of those conservatives, one of the remaining conservatives in the House, like uh, Jim Walsh and Vicki Kraft and Bob McCaslin and – Brad Clipper, a few of them, definitely more on the east side than they are on the west side of the mountains, but he's one of the west sider West side so. conservatives. And he's got, you know, he's thrown his hat in the ring for that Senate seat next year, too, which is very cool. So we should get him on the show. I'm familiar with that again. seat. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you don't. Do not want I'm sure you to don't. Talk anyway. about that. How's your dog doing, brother? Is your dog going to bark My during the show is. today? Only for lucky. Only only if we're lucky, if we're lucky. you know, with, he wants to chime in. I know we have a guest later on as well, but yes. did you, I know that I typically put you to sleep based on my voice and whatever it is. Like, <laughs> it's, I don't a hypnotic, whatever. it's a hypnotic thing, you know, brother. But you saw our friend, Ted Cruz, Senator Cruz, um, not off during Biden's speech, didn't you? And several other people, um, President Biden had this like this limited capacity crowd in the joint chambers where, you know, he did all these platitudes. I couldn't even stand to listen to it, brother. I mean, I feel the, really the bad. The exciting thing, brother, about the state of the, the, the onion, uh, whatever, uh, speech, is, speech. That, yes. is that it was Ted Cruz that nodded off and not Joe Biden himself. That's the important thing. So that, that is itself true, should be trumpeted on CNN as a victory. Biden stays awake during, during his entire speech. That is a good point. <laughs> and, you know, maybe behind Nancy Pelosi was poking him oh, or, or uh, Kamala. Hey, if you fall asleep, who knows? But I know you love this. So they compared Trump's first uh, joint session speech in 2017 yes. to Biden's first speech. And the viewership, it was like 75% less people tuned in to watch Biden than, than That's it because Trump. 75% less people voted for Biden. And Biden is an illegitimate thief who stole the, it wasn't him, but his people. Anyway, you know how. Right. That, 
I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm, go, I'm going to mypillownut.com right now and support Mike Lindell. I can't do that because my computer is being used to record this program. So off the way. Even the sort of the mainstream media said uh, many called this a boring speech, but because it was so sort of a level tone, it wasn't the bombastic thing that Trump did, it felt boring. It wasn't really boring. People weren't really falling asleep. Yeah, they were. Literally, you had 11.6 million viewers tuned tune in. They said 75% less. That means 25% of the people that actually tuned in for Trump tuned in for Biden. That's terrible. That's the hardcore that had to tune in because they're indebted to. Crazy, don't you think? And so uh, the amazing thing to me, Marty, is these these comparisons now, right, to Donald Trump. So they're saying, oh, Trump was so bombastic and everything mm. else. It makes Biden seem boring. No, Trump was awesome to listen to, and Biden is boring. Even Chris Como, the the uh, uh, brother of the murdering, thieving Andrew Como. Uh, yes. You mean Fredo? Who sent COVID-positive yes, okay. <laughs> patients back into rest homes. Thing. You know, I mean, that is like, that guy needs mm-hmm. to be in jail. But at any rate, let's go to Chris Como, who also needs to be in jail. But he actually was asking the questions about, well, when Trump was president, he said once we got the vaccine, we could just open up. So what's the deal? And and got all kinds of flack from guess who? The woke crowd. You're not you're not supposed to ask tough questions. You're not supposed to crowd. make comparisons, you know. You're not supposed to actually hold them to the fire, you know, and this week we had a dichotomy here where you had the CDC coming out and the federal government saying, hey, if you're vaccinated, outside, you don't have to wear a mask outside. outside. And of course, our state, go, outside, right, outside. And so in our state, they go, no, 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 Out. Man, we're not listening I, to that. We're going to, if you, even I, if you're vaccinated, I drove you home wear a mask outside. And I saw a outside. guy walking outside with a mask alone and gloves like rubber gloves alone outside in the sun and the wind, you know, sun and wind absolutely destroys every virus. It destroys it. Yes, it does. It, that's it, that is actually not, science, by not, the way, that it does science. actually destroy it's science. Viruses. It's not science. I'm <laughs> doing and science, <laughs> actual freaking right. science. actual science. What's funny about that is, that's weird. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know who this person is, but that's weird. In normal times, that would be weird, you know, extra weird, right? The idea of the gloves and the mask and so forth. But we've seen it. I've seen gas masks out there, brother, on the street. So uh, it's crazy stuff. And that part of it comes from that controlling fear, which we've talked about for weeks now. But um, did you happen to see the Republican response? Typically, when we see the Republican response to the president's speech, Democrat or Republican, when Obama was in office, we had Kathy Morris Rogers give one, we had somebody else give one. And most time it's like, they don't know what the president's gonna say necessarily. They come out and they say something and you're like, okay, that was good. And then when the the people that, that when Trump spoke, they would counter the same thing, they would beat at him and he would always say, I didn't talk about that. I talked about this over here. He was very good at leading them down one road and then actually talking about something else. So they look really stupid, right? This time though, Senator Tim Scott, which I'm, I don't know very well out of South Carolina, did a I saw, really good uh, job, in my opinion. Tim Scott on a, a uh, I think it was, uh, any rate, I saw him on a Christian show and it was, he was good. But, so, no, and why do you ask me questions you know I don't 
I, you know, already know the answer to, bro. You know, I, you know, I didn't watch well, the State I, of the Union. I want to share. You no, know I didn't watch Tim Scott's rebuttal. Are you purposely trying to make me look bad well, or in this case, sound me. bad in front of our fast audience? Sound bad. You know, I'm taking a fast. Sound I'm bad. fasting and praying for our country, and I'm fasting. You know, I've decided to fast the news. I get all my news from you, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Most of our listeners know that. So it wasn't the case before. I used to like do Breitbart and Fox and all that stuff. And now I dip in for a little while just to make sure that the country is still here. And then uh, I spend my time in the Bible, brother. (laughs) For our Christian listeners, it's really important that you tune into our show, but really, Tune off the news. The news, most of it's negative, 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 negative. And we need a lot more positive, a lot more Jesus. And so, and oftentimes yeah. it's the same 15 minutes it's, repeated uh, over and over again all day long. So I fear mongering, but brother, if you don't mind, you know, they, what they say uh, is if it bleeds, it leads. If it, you know, yeah. if it's, if it causes, you know, tension, you know, fear sells, dude. It's like, uh, it's like those, those scary movies and stuff like that. And everybody's, ah. You know, and it's an idol. You know, if you think a mask is going to save you, if you think these gloves and this vaccine is going to save you, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but the UN study came out and uh, they, you know, with all the advances in medicine and everything else, they found out that the death rate is exactly the same. It's still 100%. Everybody dies, brother. Nobody gets out of here alive. Only one guy beat death. I, he's a, even taking the whole He's a personal pandemic friend of mine, as it as it is, you have in states like South Dakota, Arizona, Texas, Florida that have been open for months and months and months and have a lower death rate, a lower hospitalization rate, and a lower COVID rate than the states that are closed down, like our state. So, you know, and they've asked them that, well, why does that happen? <laughs> I don't know, right? This is not about that science. I know why, brother, but I'm not saying. You're talking about the Bible Belt, ain't you? I know. Talking about I'm with the Bible you. Belt, brother. They got the uh, they sure. got the bloodline. They got the angels. I was mm. listening to uh, who's that comedian? Anyways, like you Pentecostals, man, you get miracles all the time. I'm a Baptist, we get nothing. That's <laughs> 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 yes, okay. I have a joke off the air for that. There we go. So, if if you don't mind, I want you to listen to Tim Scott's um, address. And, and then we have a guest afterwards that we can comment about it. But I think this is what we've been talking about. We need more people that are in elected office at every level that are not afraid to share their faith, but to speak the truth. Where people are afraid to speak the truth. And then now is the time to stop being afraid. The truth will always win. The, the truth will prevail. So I want to um, start right now. This is Senator Tim Scott. Good evening. I'm Senator Tim Scott from the great state of South Carolina. We just heard President Biden's first address to Congress. Our president seems like a good man. His speech was full of good words, but President Biden promised you a specific kind of leadership. He promised to unite a nation, to lower the temperature, to govern for all Americans, no matter how we voted. This was the pitch. You just heard it again. But our nation is starving for more than empty platitudes. We need policies and progress that brings us closer together. But three months in, the actions of the president and his party are pulling us further and further apart. I won't waste your time with finger pointing or partisan bickering. You can get that on TV 
anytime you want. I want to have an honest conversation about common sense and common ground, about this feeling that our nation is sliding off its shared foundation and how we move forward together. Growing up, I never dreamed I would be standing here tonight. When I was a kid, my parents divorced. My mother, my brother, and I moved in with my grandparents, three of us sharing one bedroom. I was disillusioned and angry, and I nearly failed out of school, but I was blessed. First, with a praying mama. And, and let me say this, to the single mothers out there who are working their tails off, working hard, trying to make the ends meet, wondering if it's worth it, you can bet it is. God bless your amazing effort on part of your kids. I was also blessed by a Chick-fil-A operator, John Moniz. And finally, with a string of opportunities that are only possible here in America. This past year, I've watched COVID attack every rung of the ladder that held me up. So many families have lost parents and grandparents too early. So many small businesses have gone under. Becoming a Christian transformed my life. But for months, too many churches were shut down. Most of all, I'm saddened that millions of kids have lost a year of learning when they could not afford to lose a single day. Locking vulnerable kids out of the classroom is locking adults out of their future. Our public schools should have reopened months ago. Other countries did. Private and religious schools did. Science has shown for months that schools are safe. But too often, powerful grown-ups set science aside, and kids like me were left behind. The clearest case I've seen for school choice in our lifetimes, because we know that education is the closest thing to magic in America. Last year, under Republican leadership, we passed five bipartisan COVID packages. Congress supported our schools, our hospitals, saved our economy, and funded Operation Warp Speed, delivering vaccines in record time. All five bills got 90, 90 votes in the Senate. Common sense found common ground. In February, Republicans told President Biden we wanted to keep working together to finish this fight. But Democrats wanted to go it alone. They spent almost $2 trillion on a partisan bill that the White House bragged was the most liberal bill in American history. Only 1% went to vaccinations, no requirement to reopen schools promptly. COVID brought Congress together five times. This administration pushed us apart. Another issue should, that should unite us is infrastructure. Republicans support everything you think of when you think of infrastructure. Roads, bridges, ports, airports, waterways, high-speed broadband. We're in for all of that. But again, Democrats want a partisan wish list. They won't even build bridges to build bridges. Less than 6% of the president's plan goes to roads and bridges. It's a liberal wish list of big government waste, plus the biggest job-killing tax hikes in a generation. Experts say when all is said and done, it would lower wages of the average American worker 
and shrink our economy. Tonight, we also heard about a so-called family plan, even more taxing, even more spending, to put Washington even more in the middle of your life, from the cradle to college. The beauty of the American dream is that families get to define it for themselves. We should be expanding opportunities and options for all families, not throwing money at certain issues because Democrats think they know best. Infrastructure spending that shrinks our economy is not common sense. Weakening our southern borders and creating a crisis is not compassionate. The president is also abandoning principles he's held for decades. Now he says your tax dollars should fund abortions. He's laying groundwork to pack the Supreme Court. This is not common ground. Nowhere do we need common ground more desperately than in our discussions of race. I have experienced the pain of discrimination. I know what it feels like to be pulled over for no reason, to be followed around the store while I'm shopping. I remember every morning at the kitchen table, my grandfather would open the newspaper and read it, I thought. But later I realized he had never learned to read it. He just wanted to set the right example. I've also experienced a different kind of intolerance. I get called Uncle Tom and the N-word by progressives, by liberals. Just last week, a national newspaper suggested my family's poverty was actually privilege because a relative owned land generations before my time. Believe me, I know firsthand our healing is not finished. In 2015, after the shooting of Walter Scott, I wrote a bill to fund body cameras. Last year, after the deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, I built an even bigger police reform proposal, but my Democratic colleagues blocked it. I extended an olive branch. I offered amendments, but Democrats used a filibuster to block the debate from even happening. My friends across the aisle seemed to want the issue more than they wanted a solution, but I'm still working. I'm hopeful that this will be different. When America comes together, we've made tremendous progress, but powerful forces want to pull us apart. A hundred years ago, kids in classrooms were taught the color of their skin was their most important characteristic. And if they looked a certain way, they were inferior. Today, kids are being taught that the color of their skin defines them again. And if they look a certain way, they're an oppressor. From colleges to corporations to our culture, people are making money and gaining power by pretending we haven't made any progress at all, by doubling down on the divisions we've worked so hard to heal. You know this stuff is wrong. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. It's backwards to fight discrimination with different types of discrimination, and it's wrong to try to use our painful past to dishonestly shut down debates in the present. I'm an African-American who has voted in the South my entire life, voting rights personally. Republicans support making it easier to vote and harder to cheat, and so do the voters. Big majorities of Americans support early voting 
and big majority support voter ID, including African Americans and Hispanics. Common sense makes common ground. But today, this conversation has collapsed. The state of Georgia passed a law that expands early voting, preserves no-excuse mail-in voting, and despite what the president claimed, did not reduce election day hours. If you actually read this law, it's mainstream. It will be easier to vote early in Georgia than in Democrat-run New York. But the left doesn't want you to know that. They want people virtue signaling by yelling about a law they haven't even read. Fact checkers have called out the White House for misstatements. The president absurdly claims that this is worse than Jim Crow. What is going on here? I'll tell you, a Washington power grab. This misplaced outrage is supposed to justify Democrats' new sweeping bill that would take over elections for all 50 states. It would send public funds to political campaigns you disagree with and make the bipartisan Federal Elections Commission partisan. This is not about civil rights or our racial past. It's about rigging elections in the future. And no, the same filibuster that President Obama and President Biden praised when they were senators, the same filibuster that the Democrats used to kill my police reform bill last year has not suddenly become a racist relic just because the shoe is now on the other foot. Race is not a political weapon to settle every issue the way one side wants. It's far too important. This should be a joyful springtime for our nation. This administration inherited a tide that had already turned. The coronavirus is on the run. Thanks to Operation Warp Speed and the Trump administration, our country is flooded with safe and effective vaccines. Thanks to our bipartisan work last year, job openings are rebounding. So why do we feel so divided, anxious? A nation with so much cause for hope should not feel so heavy laden. A president who promised to bring us together should not be pushing agendas that tear us apart. The American family deserves better, and we know what better looks like. Just before COVID, we had the most inclusive economy in my lifetime, the lowest unemployment rates ever recorded for African-Americans, Hispanics, and Asians, and a 70-year low nearly for women. Wages were, hear me, wages were growing faster at the bottom than at the top. The bottom 25% saw their wages go up faster than the top 25%. That happened because Republicans focused on expanding opportunity for all Americans. In addition to that, we passed Opportunity Zones, criminal justice reform, and permanent funding for historically black colleges and universities for the first time ever. We fought the drug epidemic, rebuilt our military, and cut taxes for working families and single moms like the one that raised me. Our best future will not come from Washington schemes or socialist dreams. It will come from you, the American people. Black, Hispanic, white, and Asian, Republican and Democrat, brave police officers in black neighborhoods. We are not adversaries. We are family. 
we are all in this together, and we get to live in the greatest country on earth, the country where my grandfather in his 94 years saw his family go from cotton to Congress in one lifetime. So I am more than hopeful. I am confident that our finest hour is yet to come. Original sin is never the end of the story, not in our souls and not for our nation. The real story is always redemption. I am standing here because my mom has prayed me through some really tough times. I believe our nation has succeeded the same way because generations of Americans in their own ways have asked for grace and God has supplied it. So I will close with a word from a worship song that really helped me through this past year of COVID. Music is new, but the words draw from scripture. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you. In your weeping and your rejoicing, he is for you. May his favor be upon our nation for a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children. Good night and God bless the United States of America. All right, I'm voting for that guy for president. Right? <laughs> that was not uh, not shabby. Not shabby at all. Uh, I figured you'd like it. And he talked about our next generation and the generation to come. This is the blessing, the, the generational blessing that we've always talked about. What we're supposed to do. We're supposed to leave a better nation for our kids than before, right? True. And so, why yeah. So why don't you introduce our guest then, brother? So I want some comment from you and her so, uh, about the speech. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm I'm glad that you know our guest. Uh, is Hannah Sturtz, and she uh, actually won a, a an appearance on the program like a couple of years ago, but then her dad like forgot about it. <laughs> she is 16 years old. I believe she lives in Renton, Washington. She likes to play the guitar, the piano, and she's also like a political, involved political conservative at the age of 16. So there is hope for the USA because of people like Hannah. How welcome to the show. How are you? Good to be on here. Thank you so much. Well, it's, I'm good. It's exciting so, to have you. Yes, it is. It's nice to see people that actually understand, actually are fighting for this country and have plans to, and at such a young age as well. Most of the time we're, we're so uh, focused on what's in front of us, right? And not realizing there's a bigger picture. And, and so and we know you have, um, as you're growing up, 16 is young, but you, you've seen a lot. And so we made you listen to this speech. So here's a, a South Carolina senator uh, talking about, hey, this is what's really going on. What do you think of the speech? It was a really, really, really inspiring speech. I've heard a lot of speeches in the past few years, especially as I've become more interested in the political arena. But um, since this new year has come upon us and you've basically been hearing a bunch of bland speeches from plenty of people who make empty promises, it's nice to hear someone calling people out, but being also willing to make changes. So, yeah. I love the part where he said um, common ground, right? It's like this whole idea, common sense is common ground. These are things that we can work on. And so many times 
Um, even when things aren't as crazy as they have been the last two years, they always go, well, nothing gets done. Well, it's intended to be that way in some ways, you know, but it's political and people get sick of the pol- politics. They're like, we elected you to represent us, to actually do things that make sense, not grow government, but actually help, you know, give more opportunities to young people like yourself. And he mentioned and what, that. Yeah. And what you're saying about common ground is really it's really important. It's important to have a place where we can start from to have a conversation rather than we're starting from both of us to understand either person's viewpoint. So the common ground issue is even something that is a problem nowadays when we're going into, you know, debates or anything like that. It could be where neither person even believes that the other person is willing to be human in the conversation. Like for example, he was talking about the race issue Mm -hmm. and we don't really have many grounds anymore for morality, which is really sad to find because the culture around us is becoming less and less, you know, godlike, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. We're losing our sense of morality. And so it's very relative. And so the idea that the only evil that exists now is you're racist is really sad because basically people just throw around that term. And as soon as you do, this person is an evil person and they no longer have any viewpoints that are important. We had a guest on our show, Hannah, and you'll like this as well, because we, we're Christians. We're like on a Christian station. We talk about politics. We understand, and my calling is I really want to get the church reengaged in their biblical mandate to be salt and light in the civil government mountain. Um, so that all makes sense. But he said that every law is moral. Our, our friend Jim Wall said that. And he goes, because every law they make is deciding what is right and wrong. And so when we have people that are anti-Christian or not uh, believers or that have a anti-religious bent, they're still deciding what's right and wrong, but they're doing it in their own lands. They're doing it in the, in the worldly or relatively, whatever. It's like, we're going to make sure we pass legislation that's saying that if you, you know, are of this certain color or race and somehow you are now less than, right? And so we're seeing this legislated, whether it be marriage, whether it be um, abortion, whether it be whatever, um, from the state halls and the national halls um, because they believe that they're, Right, right. So even though they say they don't, they don't like religion. It is, it is a belief system, right? It's a religion. It's, it's no longer just okay. Well, we're giving you a set guideline so that you don't end up hurting someone else. It's now we want to control every single aspect of your life. You're going to be a robot. You're going to do what we say, and you're going to think what we want you to think, and you can't say anything else, which is really depressing because then we can't have variety. We can't have diversity of thought. Because all everyone's too afraid to say anything or too afraid to do anything at that point. So Doug and I have been doing this show for six years now, maybe seven. It's been a while. So you were really young when we started this show. I mean, just just saying. But at the very beginning, we started talking about this cancel culture stuff, you know, and this politically correct speech. And we're like, this is scary stuff. And fast forward to where you are now. How do you as a 16-year-old actually operate with truth? With a cancel culture, where, where you, like you said, anything you say outside of the narrative being preached to you at the school level or from politics, you're shut down. To be honest, it's kind of a weird environment to try to navigate through because you don't even know sometimes what is going to be offensive to one person or another. Um, so, for example, even talking about something like marriage, right, might be offensive to someone because they think that, oh, marriage should be only between, well, marriage should be between whoever wants to get married to each other. You know, you can marry a dog, but that's not what marriage is meant to be. And if we don't even have that ground and you're going to cancel me over what I think, then I can't tell you anything. I can't help you with anything. I can't give my opinion. Like, for example, her name's not coming to mind right now. There was an actor who was on the Mandalorian 
And uh, she recently got canceled because she's a conservative, which is depressing because she's a great actor. Like she's amazing at what she does. But just because her viewpoint doesn't match everyone else's, she's kicked off. And that, that even goes into, you know, social environments where, you know, I'm hanging around my friends and stuff like that. There's certain things I don't want to touch because I'm afraid that I might not be able to speak without getting basically executed. So we live in a free country with rights to speak whatever you want, right? However, and yet if you can't actually do it, do you have those rights? It's, it's this very abusive society right now where you have Senator Tim Scott, a black Republican, who's called Uncle Tom. Uh, Larry Elder did a movie. You should see it. Uncle Tom is a fantastic documentary, by the way. Um, but it talks about how conservatives, if you're black, you're kind of like, you're not really black. You're an Uncle Tom. You're selling out to the white men. It's like this whole narrative only works if you buy into it. And, and most of them in the documentary come out and say, I just did research myself and found out all the history of the Democrat Party. And all they're telling me, that's, that's a lie. I don't want to be into that anymore. So people are waking up. Uh, and and the, your generation is the next largest, next to the baby boomers, you're going to be the largest generation in our history. And so there's a huge opportunity to turn this nation back to its biblical conservative roots because back to Tim Scott, common sense comes back, it comes from a place, right? The source, these biblical values. Doug said this before as well. We had the Ten Commandments. We didn't need all these laws. You get rid of those, you need all kinds of laws to enforce other people's behavior. Um, yeah. So with that, I've actually seen quite a bit of a movement, especially like where I live right now, which you wouldn't expect to be traditionally conservative, especially not for the younger generation. Um, but a lot of people are kind of fed up of realizing that they're being lied to, but then they're told that they're not being lied to and they're just kind of fed a narrative. And at this point, you look in any other direction except for right at the person who's speaking at you and you can see that they're lying to you with every every single word they say. And so there are a lot of people, especially like in my age group who've become conservative just because they understand that at this point there is no real traction in that direction. Um, for example, I have a few um, younger students who I've been trying to mentor recently and uh, they're students who I wouldn't necessarily think of as conservative. But then they started talking with me about um, the taxes that are coming up in the state and how the election went. And um, it was really interesting to see that they were aware of what was going on. They really wanted to find truth, but it was really difficult for them to find truth. Doug, now we've talked about this before too, that idea. I think that the, the human soul of any age is desperate for truth. We're, we've been seeing so much that is false. We, we recognize that it's false and we're hungry for truth. We're hungry for Jesus. But the point is, is that young people alike are looking for courage and they're looking for truth. And if they can find that, uh, I think they're withdrawn to it. And that's why Hannah's saying there. Think, yeah, and you have um, you have an alternative communication system in the um, you know the internet world, the social media world, etc. But you have all these new outlets, right? You have you know One America, you have Newsmax, you have uh, Victory News Channel, um, and and just people that are willing to talk. And so the other side for years. Now Hannah may not remember this, but we had for like 20 years on anti-bullying thing that was really big and you don't bully people and you don't make people feel bad and everything else. And now it's all about bullying. It's all about, if you say the wrong thing, we will hurt you. We will get you fired. We will get, we will, people will come after you. We're going to come to your house and you know, Tucker you Carlson can. had to move. That's bullying. 
Yeah, the sad part about that is, is they're still using the excuse of bullying. They're not saying that, you know, we become the bullies. They're still saying, oh, you're oppressing me. You're making me feel bad about myself. You're saying things that I don't like to hear. And they're able to destroy people's lives just because they don't like them. So it's like the narrative has been turned on its head at this point. There's nothing left of what used to be there. Yeah, the only the only one that gets any benefit from it is the one who is willing to wield that that weapon. I had an interesting conversation with someone about masks and uh, I quoted the the Washington state guideline that you're not supposed to ask people that don't. And I said, you're making me uncomfortable. <laughs> and so we can do it too. And I'll tell you what, in my building, I don't wear a mask and nobody bothers me. So, um, but so I'm Hannah, just, a few, you've yeah, got definitely. to, you know, how do we do that, Hannah? How do we take that? How do we train our young people? Like you're making me uncomfortable because I believe in God. So you, why are you doing that? You're causing me to be offended. Or what you know, so it's like almost you gotta like go after it, right? You gotta make you gotta make that that battle stance or whatever. You have to be willing to fight back a little bit, which is really difficult because we're coming from a standpoint where, as Christians especially, we don't want to be hurting people by what we say. We want to be loving them when we speak to them. We want to show that we are caring for them about what we are trying to tell them. And so it's kind of finding a balance between I need to stand my ground, but at the same time I can do it with gentleness and grace. Yeah. And uh, yeah. It's difficult to do. It's it's really difficult well, it's to do. Not, yeah, it's not, you know, the, the bottom line is if you if, if you make a lie your refuge, you're not going to prosper. You know, so it's like I got issues with my adult children and they're like, oh, you know, you got to have the whatever. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to like tell you that a mask that has openings that are like a hundred times bigger than a virus is going to help you. It doesn't you know, well, let's just wear the mask and be nice and get along or whatever. So the, the truth is the truth. You know, I had uh, an experience as a, as a young child that I never forgot. And it was the sticking of the fork into the electrical outlet. It, it caused <laughs> me some pain. And um, I wish that someone would have warned me about that. Um, you know, I could have been killed. <laughs> I was probably like four, but I remember it like it was yesterday because Never gonna forget. Um, 120 volts hurts, you know, and um. So you're the kid that did that. The uh, you know the horror story comes from. Dr. How Pastor. do you think right. my hair got curly, brother? <laughs> <laughs> I was a, I had my hair was as straight as Hannah's. <laughs> and then <laughs> now my hair looks like your beard, brother. No, I. But I'm just saying, if you tell the children not to play on the freeway, if you tell the you know, if you as a parent, you know, as a person of love. If, you know, heaven is a gated community, that's what uh, my friend Wayne Perryman often says, you know, you ain't getting in there like that. Okay. You're not going to, you know, your life's not going to be good. My, my wife and I were chatting, we took a little walk and, you know, we're promoting some very risky behavior. Abortion is very harmful to a, a female's body. Uh, um, uh, homosexual relations, <laughs> I'm trying to be gentle here. It's risky. It's very, very unhealthy, very risky behavior. And she looked at me and she said, what about my body, my choice? It doesn't count when it comes to the mask and the vaccine. It only, it's only your body, your choice. If you, they want to, you want to do what they want you to do. Come on. Right. And the thing is, those masks are actually causing problems for the people wearing them. So for example, um, I get to help out at a, 
school right now. It's a private school. So we've been open for a while now and kids have to wear masks in the building, which is really sad because these are kids with already delicate immune systems mm -hmm. who are literally causing it to become worse. And they're going to get all sorts of problems with their teeth and the development there. And they're getting trained to wear basically muzzles the rest of their lives. There are people who are never going to take off their masks. Yep. If res respiratory problems are, are through the roof. Obviously, social um, problems, the uh, psychological problems, suicides are up. This is this really is when you think about the actual covering someone's mouth. Yeah, regardless of whatever you know that they want to put on it, it's silencing someone. To your point, it's muting somebody. We saw that in Nazi Germany. It's the brown shirts shutting down the opposition, so there is no alternative viewpoint. And if you truly want to have freedom, you have freedom of thought. Freedom of choice, a discussion, open debate, which is something we grew up with and something I think would be very refreshing now, which we just don't see it. So let's move the let's move the subject over to another issue that I know Hannah is very fond of. Uh, well, I don't know if she's fond of it, but she likes to talk about the ever increasing tax burden. What do, what do you think mm. about that, Hannah, as a 16 year old looking to, you know, get into life and make money and do things? Um, well, I don't like it, to say shortly. Um, well, as someone who's going to be going into my early adulthood, right, I can't come into that with this entire wall of taxes in front of me. It's already hard enough to live as it is, especially since the area is becoming more expensive to live in. Um, and obviously, there are basically no jobs left because of this whole pandemic situation. Um, and so putting more taxes on it just because they want to is, is not something that I really see benefiting, me, especially since the, the money that that those taxes are being used for is not going to benefit me. It's going to things like light rail, which doesn't do anything for me. No one uses light rail anymore. Um, or it goes to, you know, it goes to scholarships that no one takes or that it goes to scholarships to people who won't use them. It's, it's just being squandered. What's the point? I want to use the money since it's my money. I earned it. I want to be able to use it in ways that I need to rather than having someone just take it away and say, no, I know how to use this better. There's always got to be some kind of skin in the game. We know when we work for something, uh, we appreciate it. We take care of it. When it's given to us and there's no value to it, we discard it. And we see this in our welfare system across the board. Uh, it is interesting, though, to say, not to depress you, but, you know, for those that are thinking about the American dream, it's, it's having a degree or going and getting skills, working your way, having a family, buying a house, you know, and so forth, right? And retiring, leaving more for your kids. Uh, just today, the median house price in Seattle is $950,000 a year. Uh, in King County, it's three quarters of a million dollars for the median house price. How does a young person thinking about how much money am I going to make? How long will it take to buy this? This seems like it's out of reach. And why is that? Much of it comes down to political moves, growth management act, and those things that, that drive the price up artificially. And there's got to be more opportunity for people like you, Hannah. Without moving to Coraline. Um, yeah, I, um, I was um, also they make choices like, you know, putting a minimum wage up, which you would think would help the problem, but it just causes less jobs to exist. And it makes it harder for people to move up, because if you have to start at fifteen dollars an hour for something that is only worth nine dollars an hour, you're not going to get hired. It, you can't start anywhere. So it's basically making it impossible to start and it's making it impossible to grow at all which is, you know, depressing. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we made that argument early on. How, how do you train people? You know, if you have a choice, okay, look, I could hire this high school kid and, you know, we could do this thing, or but I got to pay this high 
thing. Well, I'm going to look for somebody that knows what they're doing and blah, blah, blah. So people, again, how do people get trained? How do people, you know, get those jobs? So um, how about the debt? How do you feel about the debt? As long as we're on our soapbox over there, Hannah. Oh, that's another fun subject. And it doesn't, again, we're putting up options to help solve the problems we're getting with money. But the thing is, all those options are just making it more expensive to live and more expensive to thrive. So, for example, we look at college right now, right? I'm trying to look at my options for that. And the prices for college have gone up so much. And even if I were to, like, you know, take a few loans out, I'm not going to pay those loans off. Not anytime soon. And I, if I want to actually start my life and have kids and have a house and have a job and make money, I can't have all of these things working against me. So I, it's becoming harder and I'm going to work through it, but I really, really wish it wasn't there. It's well, amazing I, that, to me when it, when it comes to legislation on this, for Hannah's note, uh, what p- politics happen. That's why I'm so happy you're paying attention. Right. But when they pass legislation in our state to actually allow colleges to raise the price, and then it costs more for you to have to borrow more. And then they go, it's college is too expensive. Well, you did it intentionally so that this problem exists so that they'll be voted in again to fix the college problems. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, the problem solving, um, you know, and it's for the kids and it's for the fire and protect police and fire, protect the schools. It's the same old song and dance you've been using for, you know, a hundred years or more. But um, I just want to say because of, of what Hannah is saying and how she is recognizing the problems on that she is also applying the problems to her generation and to herself. That is hopeful because now you guys are going to be, you know, very, you know, less than a less than two years, you're going to be eligible to vote. You'll be able to vote even right now, Hannah, you can get involved in political campaigns. You can doorbell and you can do things that'll help people get elected. And you might even want to consider running for office yourself because you can do that too. And that government was actually designed to be run by ta-da, you and us. That's what it's run by. Right now, it's overrun by career politicians. And, you know, career politicians should be extinct. They shouldn't be allowed to, to run our country. And they just get in there and they live in there. And, you know, but it starts at these lower levels. You know, I've, I've seen, never seen so much excitement over here in Federal Way, Washington, over the school board. I'm so excited. People are getting excited about running for the school board. People are getting excited about running for water districts and things like that. Marty, I don't know if you've got any of that, but I'll tell you, that's cool. because that It means is very, very cool. That's yeah. where the bench comes from. You get elected to that, it's going to be a lot easier to get elected to the state legislature, to the city council, to the, uh, you know, into federal office of Congress the Senate, the presidency. And Did so you, getting, yeah. getting going, you know, so I'm hoping Hannah that you will take this passion and, you know, and the fact that you're willing to come on this show with a couple of crazy people and yes. uh, who rant and rave, you know, because we love to and, and, and give us this clarity of what you're thinking and things like that, that encourages me. And that makes me super happy. And so even though we're complaining about some of this stuff, I'm encouraged because you're here. Okay, does that make sense? Yes, it does. So before we get to the end of the show, Hannah, one more thing. I'm not sure if you saw it yet or not, or our listeners as well. Doug's point in Vail, Colorado, um, the school board was mandating mask wearing, even though they were trying to get away from it. And the parents said, no, we don't want our kids to be in class having to wear a mask. So parents showed up to a school board meeting in mass. 
hundreds and hundreds of them in mass m-a-s-s not mask mask yes anyway they showed up and the school board fearing for their lives left the building apparently the bylaws said that they left the building they can elect a new school board so they elected a new school board of people that were there in attendance and then removed the mask mandate and so i'm like that's awesome i mean first of all showing up doesn't hurt to know the bylaws brother (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Somebody read the, Hey, if they're not here, we can elect new. I mean, I'm, oh my gosh. That's, that's a great story. Hannah, right? let's do that at, well, Hannah goes to, what do you go to Renton Christian? Yeah. yeah. Renton Christian school. I had a couple of kids went to Renton Christian. I was in Kent new life for, of course they closed it down because of the COVID thing. So now I'm off in this other church over here at black diamond camps, but that's okay. Um, we're so glad you came on today. I hope you have a great life and uh, you should check in with us and let us know how it's going. So, all right. God bless you. Thank you for being on the show today. Thanks, Hannah. Thank you. So Marty, I'm, I'm yes, curious sir. what we are doing in the old, uh, uh, state now that the state has kind of, you know, finished, uh, pillaging and plundering and hurting us. What do you see as like the big uh, takeaways? I, I think that um, not all of the gun control laws got through. That was a, a, a nice thing. And that, again, because when people make noise, it stops yes. things, right? Yes. Most of the, yeah, uh, some of the bad stuff got mitigated, but with you have Democrat control the House and the Senate and the governor's mansion. They ran through very at the very beginning, giving the governor, making sure he has ultimate power, uh, not taking it away like they were supposed to. And they ended. The very last thing they passed was a capital gains tax. We've already seen the Washington policy or Evergreen, whatever, Freedom Foundation, whatever, yep. suing them already. But the point is, once again, we're in a state where you have nine nothing uh, leftist judges, right? Yeah. So I'm not sure where it's going to go, but the capital gains tax on properties being transferred. Those that do investments, basically, uh, rental property owners that want to buy more rental properties or sell, you're going to get hit. And, you know, it's it's an attack on uh, housing. It's an attack on what's already limited. There's many other things they talked about, which I talked about with Tom as well. So is the, is the capital gains tax, is it an income tax? And is it, can it it be, can it be set, can it be proven to be? So, um, and I think really the key for uh for winning this thing in the lawsuit is that people have to get outraged i mean like i told you a couple of days ago my house value went up like 30 grand last month Mm -hmm. right over here on the end and i'm not in like the nice neighborhood i'm like in the i'm in the burbs baby and it's i'm like my house was built back in the 70s right it's not like this is it's like your house brother you don't live Mm -hmm. you know you don't have like a brand new house right we we have like normal houses and they're ridiculously high but you know what we should be benefiting from that if we decide to cash in on that right and why do they get to take it right yep i'm the one that's been living here making the payments for you know 15 years property exactly yeah one more thing, though, for our listeners out there, the capital gains tax, they, they added an amendment to it so that it couldn't be a referendum. It couldn't be on the ballot to, to say no to it. The only way to beat this is through a lawsuit or an initiative. And we know our good friend Tim Iman's already starting on an initiative to uh, repeal this, but they, they are sneaky. 
the they knew they what they did would not be popular. They knew that we did not want an income tax, but they passed it anyway. Sounds like Obamacare to me, brother. It sounds like the thing that we're still trying to get rid of many, many, many years later. It's not very sneaky when you get caught, though, brother. So, uh, you know, again, this is the thing where we as, you know, especially our friends over here in the eastern side of Washington State, make some noise, get in their faces, talk about it. You know, we we forget about 2008 and 2009, but the rise of the Tea Party, man, they, the politicians were scared. And you know what? They were scared this time, too, because they put fence around the U.S. Capitol, fence around Olympia and their, and their National Guard, and they did that as a showman thing. But I'm telling you, it shows that they're afraid. Okay, mm -hmm. they're scared, and they need to be. That we're not, you know, even with their shenanigans at the voter box, look at what's happening with Gavin Newsom in California, brother. Right. Right. In liberal you, California, they got him aware, on the recall. Were you aware on the same ballot, they can recall him or not, and then they elect the next governor at the same time? And so with like 20 or 25 things, you only need about 20% of the vote to be the new governor of California. And it starts like three days later. I mean, it's like soon. It's like immediately you're out, you're in. Um, so it's I wish be Mario Morello lived in California, brother. I'd put him on the ballot. But, you know, <laughs> I went to the Mario Morello crusade down in Modesto. And, man, it was amazing. Marty, I mean, I saw uh, hundreds of people getting saved every night of that crusade. I people are hungry for God. This all of this stuff is starting to have an effect on the public. I was at the bowling alley earlier this week and my my bowling instructor who is a very good bowler brother, not anything like you or I. This guy actually knocks pins down. He said people are he's talking to people they are fed up, they're done. He says when are we going to get our recall on Jay Inslee? I mean we and that's what it's going to take. We've yep. got to stop complying with this. We've got to stop bowing the knee to this false idol and this fear that we're gonna die. If you look at the cases, yeah, the cases are they are what they are. People catch COVID, it's it's contagious. We get that, but look at the deaths, they're not dying from it. This is a treatable, curable disease. And if you're at risk, we have ways of protecting you. But if you're a, a normal, average, healthy person, COVID is not going to kill you. And so this, this fear mongering, this, this attack on our, on our, our faith, you know, faith and fear cannot coexist together. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And is God our healer or not? And so, um, you know, and even if, even if we die, brother, it's a promotion, you know, yeah, but we're right. not, we're not, we're not at that point. And so, um, yeah, this is, this is nuts. Now uh, on the Tim Scott thing, um, he was talking about everybody rushing to condemn Georgia, the updated Georgia. Mm -hmm. And he was laying out, Hey, it's easier to early vote in Georgia than it is in New York, you know, and woke old New York and stuff like that. But you have all these corporations like Delta and Coke and all the stuff jumping on that. What do you think about that, man? This woke corporation thing. Right. I, I love how Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz always calls things out. And I love how he actually did and said, look, these woke corporations, 
our fair weather friends. They, oftentimes, politicians are waiting on them to get money from to both sides, and they play the middle. And it says that attacked by Coca-Cola, Major League Baseball, on Georgia's new voting system, Drew said he will no longer accept donations from them, which is he's the first, right? And he said an ultimatum. says the next time we won't look the other way when Coca-Cola's $12 billion in back taxes are owed or when Major League Baseball lobbies to preserve its multi-billion dollar antitrust exception. And so the right's going enough. No, I, I'm, I'm down. I'm, I'm with you. I'm following. I'm tracking. Well, I guess that's it for today, brother. We should wrap it up. This is Doug Bassler. And Marty McClendon. Doug and Marty versus the world. God bless you all. See you next week. Or listen to us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.